you normally say something? I do. I was just thinking what number we're at. So what were you doing? <laughs> thinking what number we're at. Did you think you were going to just realize it if you stood there and thought about it? Hmm, I, get I wonder that. what right, number we're on. Hmm. It worked. Maybe we're on. I don't know. Jeez, Maybe I'll just. Yeah. I'm not sure. Let me think about it. Are we? Are we not? Are we? Maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yes, it is episode 260 <laughs> of the One Player Podcast. Oh. So there, that's that's your intro. <laughs> oh, it <laughs> is. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I don't know how to lead into that. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll just lead into that like you said it. Um beware the giant box in the dark of the night. All right. And uh welcome everybody to the one player podcast. <laughs> I think Albert may be a little bit tired. We're abbreviating things today. <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. We're having to you know, around the giant box. It's no time to think because it's a big episode today. Albert, what are we talking about? We're talking about Gloomhavens. Gloomhavens? Yeah. I've never, you've played the big one. I've played the little one. Oh, we're buddies. <laughs> so we could, we could compare and contrast. Sounds like a plan. Let's go. All right. So Gloomhavens are a set of games by... Who is it by? Isaac Childress. Isaac Childress. Okay. And this is a, a fantasy dungeon crawl style game. And if you haven't heard about it, you live under a rock. Pretty much with me because I really knew nothing about Gloomhaven until I finally <laughs> went and bought my little one. <laughs> and if you live under a rock next to me, you should come over more often so you can play games. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, The game came out, what, two years ago? It's a huge, heavy box. It was huge and heavy when it came out. It was kind of shockingly expensive. And it's a Dungeon Crawler. Gloomhaven came out in 2017. 2017? Wow, okay. I mean, that's I only four years ago, but... The last two don't count. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Yeah, it came out, and it, I mean, it really took the gaming world by storm, and because it is such a, so much game for, for what you get. It's expensive. So much so that it's now the number one game on BGG. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and there's that too, isn't it? And so they came out with a sequel... Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, the baby brother, because this is it's a cheap, inexpensive version. And by cheap, how cheap do you mean? Retails for fifty dollars versus what one twenty five or so for the other one. One fifty. Yeah, I still think that fifty dollars is still not a cheap game. It is cheap in in comparison to the <laughs> massive box that is the original Gloomhaven, and the even more massive box that is Frosthaven, the next big sequel but it is not cheap. Well, and that's how you justify bringing it into the house. It's like, what? I mean, I could have bought this expensive one, but I got the cheap version. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it isn't super cheap. But, yeah, but you know, with today's games prices, most games are 60 or more dollars. So it is relatively cheap. Plus, you could find it at Target. And that's the retail price. You could find it cheaper online, honestly. So, so anyway, so the... Uh, was that enough of a description of the game? It's a dungeon crawler set in a fantasy world made up by the designers. Um, it's a good summary. My yeah, okay, all right. Then the rules. So, what are the rules like for for your big Gloomhaven? Uh, the rules for Big Gloomhaven. 
to my understanding, Jaws of the Lion has the learn to play guide and the rule book separate. The original mm-hmm. Gloomhaven does not have them separate. They put them all together. And there's definitely some parts of the rules that simply don't come up early game. So things like upgrading cards and leveling up and all that sort of structure, you simply don't need. Uh, when I sit down and teach people the game, which I haven't been able to do in a while, but if I were to sit down and teach someone the game, for their first game, I would play through probably an even easier scenario than the first scenario and go through with them, you know, simply like that. And it just makes things faster and easier if you leave out a bunch of the rules. So having the learn to play guide that Jaws of the Lion adds, I'm a proponent of having such things. With that exception, you know, especially once you've learned the rules, the rules are easy to reference, easy to learn from, easy to understand everything. It's just, it's a larger game and, you know, certainly has has its learning learning curve, I suppose to say. Okay. So you stole my thunder by talking about Jaws of the Lion, but yes, <laughs> it does have two rule books. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I get for going second. Um, ask, ask a lawyer for an opinion, you're going to get three. <laughs> the the small rule book, you know, the, 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 to learn the game, it's, it teaches you as you go along, which is nice. The first, the, you read the rules and you play scenario one. Then you read some more rules and you play scenario two of the added stuff. And you play through five scenarios and you learn the whole game. I did find it very easy to learn. Um, it worked well. I will say that by the fourth or fifth scenarios, I was thinking, I wish I would just put the rest in it already and just let me get into the real game and stop doing this <laughs> stuff. Um, so it felt like maybe it went a little longer than it needed to. But then again, this was, you know, targeted for, for Target, the retailer. So so I think they wanted to keep it as simple learning curve as possible. So it, with that context, it makes sense. And it wasn't really bad, honestly. Um the game brings what twenty five scenarios, so the first five are, are the learning stuff, and that's fine. The other book, which is the reference book, then has all the other information you might ever need to look up in case you don't remember from the rule book. It is easy enough to find. I find it easy to use and refer to. I would never try and learn the game from that. I don't think it even has all the information you need to learn how to play it. You definitely have to learn in the step by step guide. I may be wrong, but I don't think so. I don't remember now. Um. I've never tried. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's it wouldn't be it would not be easy to learn from it even if you can. Um, otherwise, I mean, the books look good. They they look nice. They're easy enough to follow. I didn't really have any major issue. <clears throat> Excuse me, major issues. I think maybe once or time twice it may have taken me a little bit to find something or or, or I missed something. It took me, it was, took me a while to get back to find it because there was no easy way to to find that rule that I missed in the learn to play book. But all in all, it's a, you know, it's a well-done uh, two-part rulebook. It's quite impressive, honestly. Very nice. Uh, theme. The, it's, it's, I guess it's the same theme, right? It's a fantasy <laughs> dungeon crawl. They're entirely the same I mean, theme. It's all in the same world. It's a fantasy mm-hmm. dungeon crawl where he spent a lot of time working on creating a rich narrative. I think that like this is the level of Tolkien levels of thinking, going into creating a rich world with a history and different races with different things going on about them and characteristics and unique attributes and these are not your standard elves like even the humans have a whole rank in history and that's one of very many different races that come into these things there you start the game normally with vermlings and with void wardens and 
so many different types of very unique creatures mm. and all of the story that is brought out of it and the lore and the history of everything. There's a lot of theme that is pulled into this game and it pulls you into it with all of the stuff that's there. Interesting. I have not had that experience with the Jaws of the Lion, the baby game. Um, the th- I guess the theme is there, but I never felt it very much and it, it did not captivate me at all. I find it kind of dull and sort of glossed over. Hmm. So I'm guessing maybe you get more from the bigger game. I, I have played about, I think, nine or ten. I've played ten of the 25 scenarios in that game. And at this point, I don't have a good sense of theme. Other than what kind of characters exist. And it, yeah, and it may I've, be worth mentioning the bi- I mean, the original game brings a big a difference more. for what I'm referring between the big box and the small box versions because there's still a lot of the things that bring the scenarios to life. So the the rules text and the descriptions, the story text, and also the city and encounter cards as well as just the different unique races and uh, description of them, all of those are present in both the big box okay. and the little box. Yeah, that's so true. I think it's just how much you get into all these things. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it's, it is. Maybe I just didn't get into it for whatever reason. That That's maybe. definitely possible. Yep. The, uh, okay. Well, there we go. Theme fantasy setting. It's a, it is a grim world. It sure seems dark and oppressive. It is gloomy. The name, the name uh. fits well. Um, there's humor in it, but for the most part, it's all gloomy, creepy, vicious stuff. So what I've seen. I mean, it's no more so than your normal fantasy type stuff. I'd say it's like a little it's more. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons level type thing. I mean, yeah. you're a bunch of bounty hunters. Everyone here is bounty hunters and <laughs> on the search for trying to pick up your nearest bounty. Like See, these are commonly the scum and villainy type people. Exactly, and that's that's where the grim comes in. You know, even in, at least in Dungeons and Dragons, your adventurers were. You know, that's a positive thing. You're not bounty hunters out to. <laughs> yeah, these are <laughs> these are Han Solo. They should admit it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there we go. So yeah, so there's a theme there. It, I mean, it, it is implemented. All the races are different. There is detail, like you said about that. I personally did not get into the theme a lot. Ah, <laughs> uh, components. This. This could be a long discussion if we really get into the components. Because there's a lot. Like we said, there's 25 pounds of components in your your copy. There is. There's a lot of components. There's even components that I think yours does better than mine. Mm-hmm. I've heard the specifically the board is, is much better in that. Okay. So I, I guess the big loom haven has a board. Well, like descent, you get all these different tile pieces, and the rules say, "Here's your scenario. Put these, you know, find all these tile pieces in your box and put them together in this uh-huh. or in this arrangement." Uh-huh. And that, you know, that is fine in and of itself, but it's a hassle if you've got hundreds of pieces to dig through to find. Well, I mean, there's all sorts of. It's not quite hundreds of pieces. <laughs> okay. It certainly. Mm-hmm. It begs a storage solution because the amount of different pieces you need to be able to have stuff be laid out nicely. And also, frankly, if you're having people, if you're inviting people over to your house, you want to be able to spend the time in setting it up in advance. Granted, for us solo players, that's not really an issue. So if you're playing it yourself, just be aware that it's going to take some time to do all the setup. Whereas with Jaws of the Lion, instead, what they did is they had a simple book where you open it up to the corresponding page and all the map stuff is printed on that book. 
So mm-hmm. you don't have doors laying on things. You don't have all the debris, all those sorts of things. It's just all printed right in the book and everything is very static that reduces yeah. the amount of times that you can use the scenario. So for example, with Gloomhaven, it's really kind of limitless and other people have even designed more scenarios of commonly with other Kickstarters that have come out. He's made other scenarios that you can play with the current product and just rearrange in a mm. different form and fashion. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a lot easier to reuse all the components and have even more scenarios and even more maps. Whereas with the rules book, it's limited to the number of pages that can be printed in the book. Yes. And so, so it brings twenty five scenarios, and that's it. It's twenty five page rule book. Each page, the map, it has a lot of detail, but it's all drawn in, right? So th- there are obstacles and whatnot, but they're drawn in. You're not putting overlays on your board, um, so it looks very nice. But like you said, you are limited. It's also it's basically the size of two eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper, right? And some maps have a third one because there's a secondary book that gets used for some scenarios. It says flip to this one page and and add it over here. On, next to the other two maps and whatever arrangement it needs for that specific scenario. Mm. Um, but even then, again, it's it's still a limited size, right? So it's not going to get super and you huge. don't have that limit for the big brother. And you don't. So that could go on for, is forever and ever and ever, I guess. And so you're not well, not forever and ever, but definitely bigger. <laughs> the the okay. maps are bigger in big brother. So does that mean it also takes longer to, to play a game of it? I wouldn't know. I don't know how long uh, Gloomhaven Little Brother takes. Big Brother Gloomhaven takes between two to three hours to play through a full scenario. Oh, okay, yeah, I think mine are up. I've been up to up to two hours. So yeah, so, so I'm guessing it is it is a little smaller and and therefore quicker to play. It's possible. Yeah, I, I don't know. So there's a number of different components, and just to run through some different ideas. So there's the mm-hmm. money and the status tokens and the magic tokens and the traps and the treasure chests and cards for everyone and the little dials that you have for experience points and health and those are all the same thing between the two and all good quality but there is an extra component that was added to the little brother that's not present to the big brother and that is the initiative turn tracker tokens so in the main one when you're tracking initiative you sort of have to just kind of go with it <laughs> you you turn everything over and maybe you rearrange it or write it all down or get some a's and b's for everyone involved but there's not a set of tokens that you can use to easily run down it whereas oh, okay. with the little brother they did add in some initiative tokens which make it much easier to be able to track it if you're not using any sort of app now then for me i have frankly long since given up on tracking everything for the game without using a companion app. So mm-hmm. there is an app that allows you to run through how the enemies are being treated. So it tracks their health and their status, as well as track what damage they do and what cards they pull and lets you program in when you're doing it for what your initiative is, as well as randomly determine what their initiative is by shuffling out and drawing a card from a virtual deck for the bad guys. That means that it also tracks everyone's initiative. So you don't need any of those tokens. You don't need any of those cards. Frankly, you don't need all of the damage and spell uh, damage and status tokens either, because that's all being tracked in the app. 
And I find that makes the game, frankly, much more playable without having to deal with quite so many cards laid out across the whole board that you have to keep track of and draw from and shuffle and do all these things with. So I don't Mm -hmm. need those things. But heavens, when I first got this game and that app didn't exist, I would have really loved to have had those initiative <laughs> trackers. Gosh, okay, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, so my game, we already decided it takes up less table space because it's a smaller map, but it still takes up a lot of table space because, like you said, you've got the board for the characters, you've got all the cards you're playing, all your all your equipment, you got all the cards for all the monsters and the damage, and when it, it takes up a lot of space. And then playing things in order and figuring out what to do does take a substantial amount of time in the game, I think. Yeah, that's why this app is very useful. Even when I'm playing myself, I will play on my phone and keep that next to me. But when I'm playing with a big group of other people, I will cast that phone to a separate screen and have that show up on the screen at the end Mm, of the table for mm -hmm. everyone to see. It is invaluable to cut down on the amount of table space and upkeep and calculations that everything else has to run just to use that app. It is very good. Nice. Okay. And just to throw out the name of the app, the one that I refer to is Gloomhaven Helper. Okay. Does that support both versions of Gloomhaven? Do you know, or just? I believe that it has been updated. I've never actually tried. Let me check. Okay. Whichever needed to, yeah. Uh, Yes, it does both draw some line and regular. Okay. Very cool. So, so there are more components. The it's worth mentioning the for the characters you get plastic miniatures for the player characters. For all the monsters you get cardboard figures. They're they're basically standees and they go into these plastic bases, um, which is neat. But there's a lot of monsters, so at least for the small version, for each of the monsters they supply a little bag, so you can put all your monsters of that type in the bag with their deck of cards. Because each type of monster has its own deck of cards and its little turn order counter marker. So all that gets organized very nicely into the box. Yeah, there's no nice organization for the big person, for the big brother. I just have, there's a number of different organizers that are out there. I use an organizer that uses planos. So it's three sets of planos and some long bcw boxes that organize everything so at this point in time it's very nicely organized but it required doing and didn't come with the box oh wow okay so it didn't bring plastic bags for each race or anything like that even uh each race has its own little box so the races have a different box but the monsters and tokens did not okay yeah yeah so the i guess it's neat the player characters like you said there's a little box for each race so when you're gonna go play you pull out your race, you get your box, you pull out all the cards for it that you need in there, and the, the board and everything you need for that character, other than the miniature, will be in that box. Um, which is, it's neat, it is super organized, and I feel it has to be because there's so much in this game. Um, sounds like they did more of a, a better job with that in the Jaws of the Lion, though I'm still going to complain about it when we get to the complaining section of this episode. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it is just too crowded in that darn box. It, it really needs to be bigger. Just there's there's no space, and if you don't get it just right, it is a challenge to get it in and out. And it, or just get a different organizer. No, it needs a bigger box, or 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 an organizer that yeah is not that is standalone separate thing on their shelf. Mm-hmm. Right, but yeah, it, even it's for the not, big brother, not everything fits in that box. The map tiles are in a separate folder. 
Anytime you buy a game and the upper lid doesn't go all the way down because it's got extra stuff inside it and it'll go down after you take out the punch board, th- that's always a red flag. <laughs> if nah, that happens, depends, it depends on what they're doing for the insert. For me, it's always a red flag. It's like, oh, okay, be careful now. This may not fit when you ever again. <laughs> but yeah, so so there's a lot of stuff in here. There's the figures. There's boards. One component that I don't really care for is there's a a map board and stickers that you put on as you explore the game. It serves no purpose in the game other than to track which maps, which scenarios you've already done, and therefore which scenario you're currently on. Oh yeah, that's present in the Big Brother too. Is it? It's cool, it, but it it's useless and honestly hard to figure it out anyway because the locations are all over. You know, the, the first scenario may be in the top left, the second in the middle, the third somewhere else, and back to the top left. Yeah, so, again, I track all that with an app, and I don't use that map. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I started using the stickers. And I'm thinking, you know what? That that was a waste. I should have just left it because because somebody else will be able to use it someday when they play it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, it's 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 neither here nor there. It's I guess it's neat that they have it because of the theme. It's just not necessary. Um, besides that, there's more components. We didn't get into all of them. There's cards and other stuff. There is one other thing in the Jaws of the Lion that I believe the original Gloomhaven doesn't have, which is the element board and the element tokens. No, we have an element board element those? tokens. Do you? Okay. I thought I thought I had read that it didn't exist in that one. So there is that then. And again, I just use an app to do those things. Yeah, you use an app. Uh, which sounds like really the way to go. Oh, so, yes. <laughs> so components, there we go. Gameplay? Gameplay. The gameplay, gameplay for the game <laughs> for the games is pretty similar for both. You're each turn, I mean, you, you're going to be on a board, you're going to be exploring and moving around and fighting monsters, trying to finish whatever the goal of that mission happens to be. Generally, you're going to be killing monsters, though. I think um, it the way the game works... Bury the lead? What does that mean? I don't know what that means. It means you're missing out the probably the biggest, coolest part about Gloomhaven, which is the dual-use cards. Yes, because I was going to get to that next. The dual-use cards. So so the way you do your turn is you you have a hand of cards, and you're going to pick two of these cards to play that turn. Each card has a top and a bottom. Um, You don't have to choose which side you use of the card right now. You just choose which two cards. They also have a number on them. And the numbers tell you your turn order. It's between 0 and 100. The lower the number, the, soon, the earlier you go into turn. So when I play my two cards, I could have a 17 and a 35. And Julius could have a 20 and a 90. And we're going to use those cards. Or to turn a 90 and a 20. Or, well, and that's the thing. It doesn't matter. You could choose which is the one you want to use for initiative. It's totally irrelevant other than that. But you say, I want to go later, so I'm going to use the 90. Or say, I want to go first, I'm going to use the 20. Right? The monsters are also going to have initiative numbers. So you and the monsters are all going to go based on what numbers you get. And you won't know that and what numbers the monsters have until after you've played picked your cards. So, oops, sorry, cat. I didn't mean to kick you. <laughs> so once you have picked, everybody's picked their cards, you now go in initiative order and play your cards. The You'll play the top of one of your cards and the bottom of the other card. Generally speaking, the top lets you attack, the bottom lets you defend. But how they work varies from card to card. Some are more powerful than others. Uh, some give you bonus moves and all sorts of things. And and it also varies depending on your, your character that you picked. Every every character is very different. Every character does very work. different things. Yeah. 
like some focus on range, some focus on status conditions, some focus on using obstacles as essentially using obstacles as weapons. Some, I mean, with the Big Brother box, there's a whole bunch of characters that don't even come out until you unlock them from various scenarios and various oh, okay. different goals. And they all they all play very differently on the, all the sorts of things that they do. Mm-hmm. So, so that is very neat. It, it is really neat. It's it's fun picking what you're going to do and and what character and how you use them. And it is a very tactical game. So so choosing which cards to play ends up being a large part of the game. Just figuring out your strategy for the turn, and then you know you're going to pick your everybody's going to pick their strategy. You're going to reveal the monster cards. You're going to figure out what the monsters are doing that turn may impact what strategy you want to use. Plus, if you're second or third in line, what has already happened is going to impact what you do now. And so you may want to change how you play the card you had written chosen. So there's a ton of tactical choices. It reminds me a lot, not that I have played it, of a Mage Knight. Because it has these cards that you got to choose how to play them and how to use them and that sort of thing too, right? I seem to remember that from the Star Trek Mage Knight. Um, so yeah, that, that I think is the, the heart of the game is that card play. So now you, you have your cards, you have played them. You've, once the round is over, everybody discards their cards and then you'll pick two more for the next round and you'll keep going this way until you've discarded your entire hand of, it depends on which character you are, but it could be say 10 cards or so. Um, once you finish, you're going to pull all the cards that you've discarded. Once you've run out of cards, you need to draw again. Pull them back into your hand, shuffle your, or not pull them into your hand yet, shuffle them up, draw one, and that card is now out of the game. And you now have one less card to, to play the, through. This next time you finish the deck of cards again, you're going to again shuffle, remove one out, so your deck is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Eventually, you're not going to have any cards left to play. And at that point, you're, you're out of luck. You're dead. Um, or, or collapsed or something like that. I don't know what they call it. So it becomes very tense. At the beginning of the game, you've got all these choices and, you know, anything you could do is 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 right there in front of you. It's great. And as you're running out of choices, it becomes a little more and more and more tense. I forgot what to do, which is it's a very neat feeling. Um, I think that that covers gameplay pretty well, right? The, the well. monsters also react. They're all going to move. It, they're pretty programmed in what they do and the cards that you draw for them will tell you what they're going to do so you you know what to expect from them there's very little randomness the random for the most yeah, part. Okay, so yeah julius was shaking his hand so so yeah the the biggest randomness i think comes in doing the damage um when you go to attack you say oh i'm attacking for two points because i'm playing my two point damage or attack card then you draw damage and figure out how that gets modified so you may you may think you're going to kill a monster this round, and you draw a minus two, and now you're not quite killing him. He's still around, so everybody's got to react to that. That that sort of thing happens. And again, likewise for the monsters, they may attack you and and do more damage or less damage than you expected from them. Because they can always pull that critical hit or even the critical miss. Yes, and some some classes are able to affect that more than others. And when it's again, it's all very neat, and all the classes work very differently. Which which means you got more replay, right? Because yeah. in the solo game, you, you play two classes. Now, I don't think we mentioned it. Your your big game brought like 16 or something like that. Mine brings something like four. That. Yeah. So, you know, e- even with a four, if you're playing solo, you're going to play two of them. And then next, you play through your whole campaign of 25 scenarios, and you can play again and pick the two other ones you haven't tried or, or mix it up some other way. So potentially there's a lot of replay. 
Um, yeah, there we go. That's the that I think is enough of the gameplay. We don't need to get into more detail about it. That, that was way more than necessary, anyway. <laughs> I, I think you've covered probably the coolest parts, which are those dual use cards that add a lot of flexibility and dynamic turns, as well as the cards that are responding to from the monsters and the modifier deck that is used sort of like a chaos back in Arkham Horror, other things like that, where after you do it, it mm-hmm. randomly determines how well it is that you've done. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That That is both neat and frustrating. <laughs> I, I, I like it and I hate it in Arkham Horror here. Lord of the Rings, every game that has that, you make all your plans very carefully. You spend all this time coming up with a very precise plan, and then you, you know flip a coin and figure out if it worked or not. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so frustrating to neat. Yeah. So yeah. Um, solo. Should we talk about solo? Is there anything else you want to cover in the rules? Any other? I, I think that about covers all the things we need, but I, I would emphasize this is a large game. We are leaving out parts of the rules because at least for the mm-hmm. big brother, you do have the ability to upgrade. I think even for the little brother, you have the ability to upgrade cards and put stickers on them to permanently change oh. what it is that things do. Um, so I you haven't can... seen anything like that. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that's in the little brother, but for the big brother, you have the ability to upgrade cards. So you put stickers on it so that a card itself may change that before it did two damage, now it does three, or that it also wounds or affects an extra character in its range or all sorts of different things. There's so There is a level of mini legacy to it, and those things sort of turn over from character to character if you go back to a character another time later so the character's cards are already upgraded because it's already had stickers on it and the game sort of says sure that's just fine so that is at least something <laughs> to be aware of um i don't think i've really done a whole lot of that in my gameplay but yeah it's there hey, okay that sounds neat that sounds kind of fun um kind of fun the solo game um there isn't much to say about the solo gaming. Mean, I kind of talked about it already. You're going to play two handed co op. Yeah, that's what it is. You got to do two. I you may be able to play it with just one character. My guess is it, you it's can't not really so it's not play with one character. It. It's not balanced mm-hmm. one character, and there's no rules set up for it. And you are not supposed to play with just one character. Now, for the that's Big true. Brother, there is a set of I believe it's ten scenarios which are solo specific, which are designed that. For each of the classes, I guess it would be 16, for each of the classes, they have their own solo um, scenario, which is designed to essentially test your metal in that specific class. These are tough. These are sort of like a master's class of how well you can use that class. So do not expect that, oh, I'm going to play solo and I'm just going to play the solo scenarios. It's not designed for that at all. These are designed for when you have plenty of experience. So you you need to essentially two-hand the game in order to be able to play it solo. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you could play more characters if you wanted to. I mean, I assume like, like most interesting co-op games, the more characters you play, the more dynamics you have and the more interesting it becomes. And in my, uh, my, my terminology, the more brain fuzz you get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that with the two even with the two characters it's i it's a lot it's because i have to go it, maybe not uh, <laughs> maybe it's you know i gotta pick my two cards for the first character and i gotta pick my two cards for the second character and 
it ends up taking me a while because I'm trying to decide, oh, I'm going to do these two, and I think is what I'm going to do, and then I go back to my second character. And, oh, you know what? If I do it differently for this guy, then maybe I want to change my mind for the other guy, and I go back. Oh, and I don't allow myself forth. to do that. Oh, I do, yeah. And no, I, you know, because that, that's sort of against the way it's supposed to be played. Like, I make a decision with one, and then the other one, you have to just work with it. Like you're stuck. Mm, you can't go back and change. Okay. And that helps for me keep things moving. That's more in line of the way the game is meant to be played because you're not allowed to talk with very much specifics about what it is that you're doing. You're allowed to say like, I'm going to go get this guy, but you can be like, I'm, you're not allowed to announce, for example, what your initiative order is. So initiative can get messed up if we're playing multiplayer. So I, I just don't, mm. I keep things moving. Like I decide with one, I put it down, I move to the other, and then I decide with it. And, no going back. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. You know, that makes sense. And that, that it makes a nice challenge. I like the back and forth. I do find it interesting. Yes, it does take a lot of time and it is brain burning, but I enjoy that process of working out the choices. So, and I, th- I think you're right. I think it does. Now that you mentioned it, it go against the spirit of the game. I'd never given any consideration. Um, but I would say, you know, again, as always, wh- however you enjoy playing your games is the way to go. <laughs> and i will say do even doing that i still have trouble sometimes it's still a hard game yeah i mean the game at least the big brother does have different difficulty levels so there's Mm -hmm. a you you find what the difficulty level is based on the strength of all of your heroes what level they're on and then you can either lower or up the difficulty from there and the rewards you get are higher if you up it and lower if you lower it but may not succeed if you don't lower it so especially for the first scenario i think for the big brother version i think the first scenario was way too hard for a first scenario oh, really? okay. the first scenario should have been a breeze like when you're teaching a new player the the first scenario needs to be a breeze to be able to teach them so that they can experience it and it just it knocks you down for your first scenario it's really <laughs> tough and it shouldn't have been. It That's really funny. should have been a tutorial scenario, even in the Big Brother. So very often, if I'm playing with someone new, I'm like, hey, hey everyone's dead. How? You did. <laughs> like, I will sneak in there and be like, not put out all the bad guys. Or someone just, oh, oh my gosh, they pulled a critical miss and things like that. Like, I will definitely finagle in there when I'm playing with Because <laughs> you should win on the first scenario. You should. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you if you're if you bought your game at Target and you don't really know about board games, you're being introduced to it. You you don't want to be like beat down that hard the first time. It's just mad that you can't learn if you're if you're losing that bad. You just can't learn. You have to be able to Mm -hmm. do to learn. Mm -hmm. Yep. So so I think for the solo game, the the big takeaway is it's multi-handed solitaire. Um, it's already a brain burning game and now you're doubling it up for yourself, which is actually when you, when you double brain burniness, it's actually the square. <laughs> it, gets, <laughs> it gets very painful, but fun. Um, yeah. I don't think it's too brain burning with two, especially <laughs> I, I, I'm going to keep saying it, especially with the app, with the app. Yes. You've got the app. That that's, that's the key thing from this episode today. If nothing else, go out and get the Gloomhaven app. Even if you don't have the game. Just get the app. It's so good. <laughs> it's a beautiful app. It is. It's See? a. It is a great example of how to design a nice app. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Check it out. Available um, on all your things: iOS, Android, Windows, Apple, Linux, 
Chrome, oh, okay. Firefox, web browser, anything. Yeah. So, so there are things I don't like about this game. Right now, if we're gonna go into the overview, um, overall, I'd say it's a really good game. But there are things I don't like. The my, and I already mentioned it. My biggest issue with it is the size of that box. It is way too small, and it, it is for for me. Yes, yeah, storage for me. It is a big issue because opening the box. And getting all the little bags out is fine, but then I got to open other two little tiny boxes and get the player cards out. Um, you know, all this setting up is just a bit of a chore. The one thing I really hate is when you go and you pick your character. I have, I'm, I don't remember what level I'm like three or four. I have 15 cards to choose from, but I'm only allowed to have 11 or, or 16 and 11. So every every time I play, I have to pick five cards that I'm not going to use in the game and I get to choose which ones. I find that really annoying process personally. The higher levels you go, the more cards you're going to have also to choose from. So that's going to get worse and worse. When it first started, I think play with all but two or something like that, which is fine. I didn't mind that. But I'm finding that a little bit annoying personally. And it probably wouldn't be such a big deal if I was playing just one character. And, And But having to set up everything and now do this for the two characters, I did not enjoy that. Um, I haven't really had that the, particular issue. Yeah, I oh, it drives me crazy. I hate it. And the other thing is, then putting the game away afterwards is a bigger chore because trying to fit all these little tiny bags in the box is just really <laughs> tight. <laughs> and you gotta like, that you gotta the find situation. It's like playing Tetris. It really is. You gotta find that. Yeah. Okay, this bag has a little bit of a bulge on this side. So if I get this other bag over here and fa- have them facing each other. And slot them this way, then it works and it fits just fine. And <laughs> it with is the a big brother, It's just a matter that even with the big brother, everything did not fit well before you look on BGG and figure out the storage solutions. So whether it's you get a mm-hmm. wooden box insert or a cutout, or if you use the Plano method, which is a well-documented method, like there's mm-hmm. those sticker sheets that you put on it to give everything nicely organized. So every monster has its place. So until you get that, it is a mess of a game. It is so hard to keep track of all the different things and everything that's going on because they wanted to have a very experience based game. So everything has to have its, its piece. Every monster has to have its piece. It's not enough to have just a whole bunch of generic skeletons. You gotta have three different types of skeletons, and three different <laughs> yes. types of this and that. And there's so many different pieces and same thing for, um, setting up the map. Like you could have just had a whole box of generic obstacles and just say put obstacles in all these places. But instead, it's got to be specifically that you set up that it's bookshelves or tables or columns or rocks. And all these different pieces, while highly experiential, is a giant mess for storage to keep track of everything. You must have a storage solution, which even though the price is, you know, what, what we say the price is, it's... Mm-hmm. It's almost more because you have to have some way of storing everything. You have yep. to. Otherwise, you will not be able to enjoy the game. I don't usually say for games that you must buy a storage solution. But for this one, you absolutely must just because of the massive amount of stuff in the game. Mm-hmm. It, for, for Jaws of the Line, if, if the box was one inch taller, that would have solved it right there. You know, one mm-hmm. inch is not a lot. I couldn't have raised the price that much. I, I wouldn't imagine. 
and that would have made my life so much easier. <laughs> and those little envelope boxes, the, the little tuck boxes that you put all your character stuff back into, it is hard to fit it all in there. And I mean, I know it's just kind of whiny, but it it really kind of kills the fun at the end for me. Like, oh, I had all this great time playing. Oh, no, I got to put it away. I mean, I guess I could just play two times in a row or three times in a row. And <laughs> then I'm getting more game out of my per putting away. <laughs> but yeah, it for me, it, it is frustrating. Oh, which is a shame because the game play itself is fun. The, another thing I have found, I the leveling, I is that even necessary? Um, what I'm saying by that is the game is set up so that it the difficulty is based on your level. So I could, in theory, do any yeah. scenario at all, and it is matched to my level. Yeah. So I feel like there's no need to level up ever. I'm gonna level unlock more your stuff. People? My characters, yeah. I could level up my characters, which unlocks neat stuff. Right. But now the monsters are harder anyway. The neat stuff doesn't make me but more you powerful. Got neat it makes stuff. Everything. But it's which fun is more new bookkeeping. stuff. Without the <laughs> yeah, but but it may but you know, but I'm just saying a lot, but 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 I don't feel there's a lot of value to it. Yes, it's more neat stuff that I get to do, but I could have done the same scenario without all the neat stuff. And It'll have been just the same amount of challenge. No. I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, it's the same amount of challenge. It's not supposed to be that you're making the game easier when you level up. Because the game is supposed to get harder, just like any other game. Like, if you're playing a role-playing game, and you level up and you become level 20, it's not like all the other enemies are like, oh, gosh, he's level 20. Let's give up the fight and just let him march through to the end of the game. We're not <laughs> we're not going to mess with him anymore. No, the game throws you into the next level, which is designed for level twenty yes. person. It's harder. Yes, like, the level is designed for level twenty person. But but here, I can never do that level once I get to level twenty. In this game, I could do any level, whether I'm level one or twenty. Because any scenario, you mean? Any scenario, yeah, any scenario, because the monsters are yeah. held back, right? So, so it feels back, it feels yeah, like again, any other game would say. Try this scenario if you like, but you're going to die because it is designed for level 20 characters. This one says, no, go ahead and try it. It's, it's balanced for any level. It'll work just fine, which makes me I feel what like saying. leveling is unnecessary. I hear what you're <laughs> saying, I, but it's not that leveling is unnecessary because it's got cool stuff. Yes, no, and cool I do get stuff. that. I do get that, but I was playing and I was leveling and I was going through and unlocking all my stuff and trying to keep track and do my little bookkeeping stuff that I didn't have an app for <laughs> and thought to myself, wait a minute doesn't even matter because you know because of the monsters you're not gonna level do i have to do this which i guess i don't and i i just find that really weird i'm not sure if it is a complaint or not i mean it might be a benefit to the game <laughs> i think it's a benefit to the game because it means that there's a lot of replayability of all different sorts of levels yes. and different things that you can do and where you're holding i don't know i think that's fun <laughs> mm -hmm. no i guess that's true yeah i could go back and play any there is a campaign right and you're progressing through level by level but I guess I could go yes. play any level with any level character. And I mean, any in Big Brother, you character. literally have the ability to run multiple groups in a giant world. So there's sort of different things that happen in the world. I'm not going to spoil anything, but you know, let's say, for example, Noah's Flood happens. And one, one scenario that you do triggers Noah's Flood. I'm making it up, but... Triggers Noah's Flood. So that's a global thing that's happened. And so if you're running with multiple groups, like let's say I'm playing with my friends Ben and Joe, and I'm playing another group where I'm playing with Jim and Bob, because Ben and Joe trigger Noah's Flood, 
Jim and Bob have to deal with the same thing and sort of the over global. And so a scenario may be unlocked by one group, but the other group can go do it too. And so that's neat. Those are all interesting things that can happen. Now, if that exists in the jaws of the line, I have not come across that sort of thing, but it isn't designed for multiple groups. At least they don't mention anything like that in the rules. Yeah. And and because it's a smaller game, it really is an introduction to see if you like the, the big one. And if it's worth getting the big one, that's what I think it's meant as. <laughs> also worth so. mentioning it's meant to be a small thing by itself. Maybe we we didn't say this, but you actually can get both copies and mix it, and then you've got all the characters from both games to, to oh, use yeah. across any of the games. Yeah, that is something worth pointing out. Absolutely. Um, I was gonna say there is. I got. I also got annoyed. There's a lot of things that annoy me about this game. The at the end of each adventure if you succeed you then draw this in-city event card and play through it and they they tend to be silly and cute for the most part all the ones i've encountered most of the ones i've encountered have been (laughs) and i was fine with that until i drew a card where where i went to the dry took my armor to the dry cleaner (laughs) yeah you take your armor to the dry cleaner and it's really dry cleaner (laughs) that's just that's too much for me (laughs) <laughs> okay so i'm in the big brother version you never have that level of suspension of disbelief they normally make sense in world like usually it's you happen upon a tavern and one guy is boasting i can beat anyone in a drinking game do you challenge him or not Mm-hmm. yes yes and there's stuff like that there's and there's some that are like oh something happens and you have a choice of of you know doing something serious about it or throwing one of your friends under the bus and, you know, having a yeah. laugh about the fact that you got him in trouble, which is fine. I, I didn't mind that kind of humor at all, but the, the dry clean, and they didn't call it a dry cleaner. They called it an armor cleaner, but I mean, come on. Well, what's wrong with the armor <laughs> that, cleaner? Uh, <laughs> I guess, I mean, if it's a really prosperous city, right, you don't have to clean your own armor. You could just hire somebody to do that. But I, uh, yeah. like you said, suspension of disbelief was a little, a little too much here. Yeah, I've never had that pushed in the Big Brother version. For the most part, yeah. I think that those events are fun events to bring together the whole group because mm-hmm. when you start doing leveling up, everyone goes off and does their separate thing. But when you have that event, it's essentially like one last chance for us all to do something together, make a choice together um, when you're doing that. Now that I am aware that's a comment more designed for multiplayer, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I have enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, in other words. And, you know, some if sometimes you know if you do the right choice you're gonna get a good reward actually i think usually and if if you know what the choice is you could you could game it for that good reward and sometimes you you, you try it and you get the wrong answer and oh everybody loses five gold or, or whatever happens yeah 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 so, so that is it <laughs> that is neat happens. i mean you know i i don't mind it <laughs> until i got that dry cleaner one that was just oh that's so silly so yeah, it it is either way. This is a big game with a lot of stuff and a lot of replayability. Whether you get the small one or mm-hmm. the big one, and it is a well well designed game. Quite impressive. It's yeah. not a surprise that it's number one. I don't know what the Jaws of the Lion how that one ranks, but I'm sure it's also really high. I, I think that it's a very good game. There's a reason why it's number one. It well deserves that. It is. I think that my biggest complaint is just it how huge it is. It can be just exhausting to have to set it all up. 
it's even more exhausting to have to deal with all the cards and set up all the things. It's got so many things. It is not the sort of game that you can just pull out and play. It is a night to dedicate to, but it is well worth it. It is a lot of fun. I do not regret having and owning and playing it. It's just something that you really want to be invested into. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and so much replayability. How how far have you gotten into the the big game? That's so big. Well, everything branches all different sorts of ways in the big oh, game, so it's, it's not so linear it's not like the little little brother. Yeah. So the, yeah, the little one. There's a couple of branches, but the, I think there's 25 scenarios. I got to one point where where one of two scenarios happened, depending on what I chose. And then there's also scenarios that are triggered from the from the city events. Yeah, that you know. I've only seen maybe the half the content in the big box. Wow. Okay. Probably not even. Mm-hmm. And you haven't played it with every single character, so you, I mean, there's no. and again, every every character you play with is going to feel different. The same scenario will feel very differently too. I've not unlocked. I've I've only unlocked a handful of characters. Oh, look at that! A, a really big episode for a really big game. Well worth it. Yeah. Good for the time spent. Yep. But with that, I think we must leave. We must hurry. For the gloom (laughs) has set upon us. Yeah, because I got to go clean my armor. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.